Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So as we learned yesterday uh, from conservative leader Andrew Scheer, he's been threatened with a lawsuit by Prime Minister Trudeau. Uh, over things that Andrew Scheer has said about the SNC-Lavalin affair, more specifically uh, about the Prime Minister's involvement in her handling of this scandal. Now, this wouldn't apply, obviously, to anything said in the House that is protected by parliamentary privilege. But I guess the Prime Minister is like any other Canadian. If they have been defamed or, or libeled in some way, that, that uh, they do have recourse through the courts. It did seem odd to me yesterday that after Andrew Scheer announced this, responding to the threat put to him by the prime minister and, and his legal representation, that the response then from the liberals was to wonder why Andrew Scheer was talking about this and not talking about other issues. I suppose if you're going to go this route, then, well, absolutely, we're going to talk about it. I think there are a lot of ways in which this could really backfire on the liberals and I think the same could be said of a lot of the ways that they've chosen to respond to this story. I think they've compounded their problems. They've kept the story alive. And this is just yet another example of that. Well, someone else is trying to make sense of all of this. Campbell Clark is chief political writer for The Globe and Mail. He's got a great piece today at theglobeandmail.com. Campbell, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I mean, I guess the question whether this has any merit is is more of a legal question, but from a political perspective, does this make any sense to you? No, it doesn't really. It is, as strategies go, one that is a head-scratcher because, I mean, I think what we could plainly see and what we've plainly seen for many weeks now is the Liberals are desperately trying to move on, move past this, put this behind them and have people stop talking about SNC-Lavalin and... This was something threatening to sue that was definitely going to have people talking about it again. And what's more, you know, they went through, you know, a big round of this last week, the the, the reboot where they kicked Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philbot out of the caucus and said it's time to move on. The, the, the prime minister said that the Liberal Party must be headed. And then turns out there's a lawyer's letter aimed at Andrew Scheer saying, you know, stop or we'll sue. And... I can't understand how that will get people to stop talking about it. Well, no kidding, especially if this is actually going to go to trial. And I mean, if, if Andrew Scheer is going to be uh, the defendant, he would have an opportunity for for discovery. He would have the opportunity to prove that when he said that to the prime minister lied or the prime minister uh, acted uh, in a corrupt manner, that, that he would be able to demonstrate some truth, right? I mean, truth is a defense in these kinds of cases. So th- this could get kind of messy. Well, I suppose, and, you know, that is, you know, whether it's truthful or whether it's false and defamatory is something that the courts will decide, Uh, but that's not likely to happen before the next general election, and you're right, there is a discovery process where the person who is the subject of a lawsuit, or the, rather, the target of a lawsuit, gets to interview, uh, depose the people that are making the allegations, at least for their part in it. So they would be able to, in theory anyway, question the prime minister and people involved. And that's bad enough. But then, you know, even if they, and I'm making no judgment about the the legal matter here, but even if they they won the case, if the prime minister won the case against Andrew Scheer, that would be after the next election. You would expect, 
you know, if he's Prime Minister, Andrew Scheer would be, you know, willing to live with it. And if he's not, the Conservative Party's probably going to pick up the bill for any damages. So, as a political strategy, anyway, it doesn't make much sense. It doesn't, but it does appear as though. I mean, the Liberals have had a really tough time trying to turn the page on this. I mean, the budget was supposed to do that. We've all kind of forgotten about the budget. But, I mean, the stories that have leaked out about Jody Wilson-Raybould, the way that the prime minister has had to backtrack on that and apologize for that, but then, you know, kicking her out of caucus. I mean, obviously, there have been developments outside of the liberals' control that have added to this story. But in terms of crisis management, it just looks to have been a a disaster right from the get-go. Yeah, it has been a disaster. If you think about it, the first day, the answer was, these allegations, these reports are false. And then it was, well, then, you know, there was discussion, but not pressure, vigorous discussion, but not pressure. And then things sort of slid from there. You'll recall that one of the things that happened beyond, I guess, the prime minister's control was that Jody Wilson-Raybould actually quit cabinet when he said, you know, it must be okay because she's in my cabinet. But then, you know, there was all, every time they would try to, you know, close down the committee, uh, move beyond it. it. It just seemed like they were raising the subject over and over again and raising more questions than rather than just getting to the end of this. If you recall, too, back in March, I think it was the 6th of March, the Prime Minister's former Principal Secretary, Jerry Butts, went out, did testify in front of the committee. People seemed to think it was fairly reasonable testimony, and then the Prime Minister went out the next day, gave a press conference that seemed to raise more questions than then it did put it behind them. So there have been a series of events where the Liberals seem to trip over their own feet. And it's almost, you, you would think, you know, what, what are they thinking? You know, who is running this communication strategy? Why are these strategists failing? And, you know, for a moment you might be tempted to think that these aren't very smart people, but it's not true. These are, you know, the people who work in the Prime Minister's office are smart, rational, and generally quite uh, effective communications people. And I think there's, my speculation is that there's got to be some other reason. And the reason is probably that it's being driven by sort of the the emotions and anger and feelings of the man at the center of it, the prime minister himself. Well, it could be. I, I mean, a few people have speculated that, you know, since Gerald Butts resigned, that's that's one less brain in the room. I, I don't know how front and center Gerald Butts would have been in, in making decisions like this. And it was, I mean, he was there at, at least in terms of the initial response to this story. But is this any indication that, that maybe the prime minister is, is missing his, his insight? Well, it could be. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising given that they've been so close. You know, really, they've been a, a duo in many ways since university days and certainly in mr trudeau's political career jerry butts has always been or pretty much always been by his side especially since he's been running since he started the bid for the leader leadership of the liberal party and uh i wouldn't be surprised at all if you know that was sort of a, a gut check on everything that was missing but that doesn't explain this in my view it doesn't explain it anyway because there's still plenty of smart, bright uh, people around the Prime Minister's office and within reach outside the Prime Minister's office. And this was a fairly, this has been a, a, a bunch of fairly simple errors. You look at the, the, the column I wrote about the lawyer's letter. You know, they're bringing the issue up again. They're making everybody stop talking about whatever it is they were going to talk about and think about SNC-Levelin. But one of the notable things here is that, you know, they complained that 
Andrew Scheer got this letter a week ago and only mentioned it on Sunday. And when you think about it, why would you send a lawyer's letter on March 31st, do your reboot, and then tell nobody that you've sent this lawyer's letter so that you give your opponent power to decide the timing of releasing this information right. and when it will be the biggest splash on a slow Sunday, right? That's exactly what he did. And really, anybody who's paying attention in, in the communications world uh, will know that that's not something you should do. But I think that, you know, maybe we're not seeing cold, calculated decisions about strategy, tactics, communications, and uh, how to deal with this. Maybe we're seeing emotional, angry, defensive uh, decisions. I mean, it has seemed from the beginning that the Prime Minister really doesn't think that he did anything wrong, and he's really quite angry that he is being accused of it, or at least he's quite upset about it, and perhaps that's part of what the reaction that's part of the reaction we're seeing from the Prime Minister's office. It could be. Uh, now, going forward, I mean, you know, the budget was a missed opportunity to give people something else to talk yeah. about. I, I, I don't know what else they, they could really do at this point uh, that, that would accomplish that goal. And, and in the meantime, I guess there's the Ethics Commissioner investigation into this matter. That's out of Trudeau's hands. Jody Wilson-Raypot and Jane Philpott are no longer in the Liberal caucus. They can't really control what they do or say, um, you know, in, in the days and weeks ahead. So, in terms of where the story goes from here, I mean, it's it's largely out of his, his hands at this point, isn't it? Well, yes and no, I would say. I mean, first of all, I don't think the ethics commissioner's investigation is really all that relevant because he doesn't really, he, he does not investigate potential interference in with prosecutorial independence, right? He just does not have a mandate to investigate the main thing here. So maybe he will expose something that is embarrassing or not, but... It probably won't be in the next couple of months. He, the ethics commissioner generally doesn't move that fast. Um, and Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Paul, Philpott seem to have given a number of interviews and said pretty much uh, what they're going to say. And so I guess it is possible that just radio silence will help them move on to other things because there may not be that much more to say. And you would have thought... <laughs> That would have been their strategy, too, just to, you know, start talking about other things, uh, act like everything's normal, don't keep relitigating this issue. And, you know, eventually you would expect the public to be interested in all those other issues, too, and time sort of moves on. So maybe uh, they will move past it, Um, but probably they should have moved past this a lot faster. Yeah, no kidding. Much more at theglobeandmail.com. Campbell, thanks for making some time for us here this afternoon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Campbell Clark, Chief Political Writer for The Globe and Mail, theglobeandmail.com. And I guess credit where credit is due, where this whole story was birthed. Uh, seems like a long time ago. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.